So Carla, you know, we were talking about attribution last time. Uh huh. It occurred to me a little while afterwards that you could reuse the old joke about drunks and lampposts in relation to attribution insofar as people tend to use it more for support than illumination. Simon, you would be a great person to have around several weeks after a moment to make a witty remark. I shall compose a suitably humorous response to that in time for our next episode. Hello and welcome to episode eight of What's Mots Got to Do With It, the marketing operations podcast that's trying to get to the bottom of what marketing operations looks like in the corporate landscape. I'm Carla Wentworth. And I'm Simon Daniels. So Simon, which powerhouses have we got joining us this time? Well, in this episode, our marketing leader guest is Kerry Lowe, head of campaign and communications at home assistant services provider HomeServe. And we've also got Director of Global Marketing Operations at Magnitude Software, Jeff Q, joining us as our Marketing Operations Leader. And of course, we chat with our friend, independent stateside marketing operations consultant and principal at Mustang Martech, Courtney Makara, as we grab a virtual coffee with Courtney. Before we get started, though, we wanted to talk quickly about the next episode of What's Mops Got to Do With It, part of which we will be recording live, if that makes any sense, at the B2B Marketing Martacopia Conference taking place this week. That's right. Uh, we're going to be joined by guest Holly Gage from Okta. And needless to say, we'll be chatting with Courtney, assuming the technology holds up. What else, though, does Martacopia hold in store for us, Carla? Well, this is a special conference um, and all marketing operations and MarTech conferences are special to me and you and everyone else. But the reason this is super special is um, we have an awful lot to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's it's a B2B marketing um, conference. They put on four or five of them a year. This is their MarTech offering. And in my opinion, one of the better in person um, as well as digital conferences. We've got some great sessions there with some real powerhouses of of marketing operations and MarTech. So um, it's going to be great. Not only have we got some great speakers Mm -hmm. um, in you and I, Simon, um, as well as uh, some some people that we know. Um, We've also got some really great businesses speaking there as well. So um, I know Atos is speaking, Holly from Okta is there, IET are also talking as well, um, and a huge amount of sponsors with great bits of technology. Um, I, I think if you are in MarTech, mm. not marketing operations, it's mm-hmm. inclusive for everyone. Yep. If you are in MarTech, this is going to be a really good event for you to be at. So if you can yeah. get there in person, please do. Um, if not, there are digital tickets available as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It, it was always a highlight in, in its previous guises um, of, of, of the kind of event calendar. And it's the first time back in person and hybrid uh, or, or remote um, in, in a couple of years. So it's going to be good to, um, to, to have that kind of vibe going. And um, also, yeah, have the opportunity to um make fools of ourselves uh, on stage <laughs> yeah so let's let's talk about the the good content and we'll talk about the bad content later on so um b2b marketing actually spend a fair amount of time and, and money dare i say um producing reports um that represent activity in the in the marketing field and yeah. they are about to launch their Mar- martech report 
um, findings of which are going to be presented mm. um, at that conference. So you can download a copy of the report as well for free. Right. Um, and we're also going to discuss some of it at, at the, the conference as well. So I think that that's going to be yeah. um, a great session. And yeah. that happens before the podcast. Right, right. Well, well I've before. Had, <laughs> I've had a sneak peek of the report and there's definitely some interesting stuff. So look forward to seeing the, the final version of that. And um, I think it might even be your good self um, chatting that through at, at some point. in the, in it, the it Indeed it is. I'm not going to do this, this promotion for nothing. Um, <laughs> and also what we could probably do is, is link it on the website as well. So if any, and put it in the show notes. So if anybody yeah. does want the report, it genuinely is interesting. Mm-hmm. And I guess here's a spoiler for you. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the biggest facts out of it that ha- that isn't even announced, so I'm probably going to get sued for saying this, is that 96% of the people that filled in the survey showed some kind of dissatisfaction with their Martech stack. And I don't think right. it's shocking, no. but it, ju- it does state, you know, there's going to be a lot happening with Martech over the next 12 months. Well, we look forward to that. And in the meantime, we better get the rest of this episode out of the way. Yep. So let's take it from there. Let's speak to our marketing leader, Carla, who is in the hot seat today. Well, I'm very excited today because this is somebody I know very well. Um, And let me tell you about this person's background. So a jam-packed background of marketing roles, which include account management for one of the largest communication specialists in Europe, um, she's been a keystone to all production management in a regulated business, a senior specialist in a multi-million pound technical transformation, and a leader who now oversees the campaign and comms for home assistance giant HomeServe. It is my great pleasure to introduce my very good friend, Kerry Lowe. Kerry, thanks for joining us. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. Um, I do feel in good company. Yeah, I, I listened to your podcast last week and you've had some, somebody from uh, Australia America mm-hmm. and now mm-hmm. Birmingham. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but the sun's shining. So that's it. That's, is. It's fine. No, it really fine. is. Yeah, it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's fine. Well, look, thank you for, for taking some time to talk to us. So, first, let, let's kick off because we are generally, when we talk to people, we talk to B2B. And actually, we're in a very, very big B2C space um, with you, your particular role right now. So tell us a bit about HomeServe and what they do. Yeah, HomeServe is a, uh, a leading uh, home, home assistance provider. Um, we've been going for over 25 years. Um, and essentially, we look after everything in your home, really. So you will have seen our lovely red vans around the country um, going to attend to people's homes to fix anything from a from a boiler issue or uh, installing a new boiler or you know one of our engineers going down a smelly drain to fix their drain so essentially we like to really support people in their own homes and, and sort of keep them there. This is a far cry difference to our usual <laughs> SaaS software providing uh, B2B business. This is real. Smelly drains. Real. Smelly drains. Yeah. Real. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first time anyone's mentioned going down a drain. Um, <laughs> curiously enough, I would have thought it would have come up before now, but uh, I don't think it has. Um, and, and I guess sort of my, my history or my potted history over the years, so I've been there almost 14 years. Um, I started off in a marketing operations role there. And people, I am one of those classic people, Simon, I did fall into it, like completely. You know, I had no previous experience. Come on, you did a bit of counter management, Kerry. You can talk to clients. You know, you can solve problems. Hey, go into this thing called marketing operations. We tried to make ourselves be heard and listened in the marketing, but I don't think we truly had a seat at the table in the marketing table. Um, I 
think things have changed and come on dramatically. Um, but it still does stagger me to think that only 65% of companies have a marketing operations function. And do you no. know what? Maybe it's time for us to just um, let the cat out of the bag and explain a little bit more. Kerry and I worked together for for probably over at least a decade. A at decade. least a decade. Yeah. Uh, um, at the very, very beginning of the word that my first official marketing operations job. So it was 2009 ish, something yep. like that, when when we first met. And you can imagine the the fight we had to kind of make marketing operations heard. So yeah, well, pre prehistoric times in in marketing <laughs> operations terms. Oh, um, in marketing operations. Terms, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, well, Simon. <laughs> it, or, 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 almost any terms, but uh, but yeah, no, certainly, certainly. I mean, I had my first marketing operations role by title in 2007, um, and that that's I think really when when it was emerging as a, as a recognizable discipline and, uh, and, and something with that, with that name. So uh, yeah, I could imagine how, how tough it would, uh, it would have been. Um, and One so of the things Ke Kerry refers to actually hmm. Simon, and I don't know whether you saw it because I know you went in a very data led avenue, right. but one of the things that, that we certainly experienced and I, I've seen in a, in a couple of businesses is, and I've read it in a book, it was around the marketing operations doing all the jobs that the marketers don't want to do. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. the administration function the factory uh, yeah. it, it felt and I guess Kerry well you can elaborate whether it still feels a little bit like that in that world as well. so 100% right and this is why I say I don't think marketing operations specialists or leaders got a seat at the table we it was almost felt like we were the poor relation uh, to the marketing team um, and we just got I'll say the I won't swear we, we got stuff done so we were the people that you could rely on to get the stuff done we were the complete machine and the mechanic behind it so without us it wouldn't have got done I would now class myself sort of 14 15 years on at home serve as a results driven performance minded marketing operations leader oh, wow. um and that's the journey that that we've been on over this sort of you know 50 14 years really because for me, you can't separate marketing operations from marketing, from marketing transformation, from marketing communications. It's all so intrinsically linked. And I think that's how to make it really powerful and make it work. Bring it all together, make it one discussion, give everyone that autonomy and um, the empowerment. My team and what I do, we're all about not just working on creative and delivering the creative and, and looking at channel management, um, and comp composition is about how will that activity perform what will it drive you know you, you can't be so single-minded in a really modern uh, marketing function today and I think that's what I, that's what I really I'm excited about that it is a modern marketing function rather than these silo departments working in isolation frankly just clashing about their priorities do I think we're being uh, people like ourselves being remunerated effectively no I still think you know we're a bit far behind. So give people the right development, give people the right package. And I think it should all work in harmony, really. And that's why I don't see marketing operations separate to marketing. But, the, but that piece about, you know, marketing operations being part of marketing, I mean, as, as I always say, the, the clues in the title, but is, is that important to you, Kerry, in the sense of, of, of making sure that, you know, there is that kind of lockstep and, and integration and so on? It's 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 paramount, right? It's complete, and as I say, you can't work in isolation. So, so traditional marketing operations functions would have been overseeing the delivery of the campaigns, the campaign planning, and any strategic annual planning. Now 
we're moving into marketing technology, performance measurement, data analytics. It, it, is, it is a kind of world away from where it used to be. And I like the marketing technology side of it. But what I like about it and why I think it's really important is there's no point somebody coming and saying, I've got this great new MarTech stack. So what? What's the so what of that? It's hard to get really senior leadership buy-in for MarTech. Um, and I speak from experience where we've invested a significant amount in marketing technology, but we've been led by the technology, not mm. necessarily the need or the requirements. Right. Um, and I think you can see a lot of uh, marketing technology or marketing transformation programs fail because of that, because they're, you know, they're saying the technology does this, let's try and shoehorn what we do into that. You know, I would challenge and go, well, what's so what of it? You know, so what of that? What's it going to bring? So, I mean, as you say, that that needs to be challenged. How do you go about doing that and guarding against the, the shiny object syndrome and, and making sure that it is a uh, a kind of a, a business orientated decision to, to bring on new MarTech. Yeah, and, and I think I think that therein lies an, another kind of evolution that's happening with um, I don't know whether you call it IT still or tech and change. Where there, these departments need to work again in conjunction with each other and not so siloed. So again, mm. the tech and change, um, I would say, their objectives need to align to marketing objectives. So you are getting common objectives and common goals to work towards. Then you've got kind of digital delivery that kind of sits somewhere in the middle of it all. And also previous transformation programs I've worked on sometimes have just taken far too long with little delivery. It's hard enough to get people on the journey anyway of transformation. But if you take one year, two year, three years and don't deliver anything against that transformation or against that MarTech, you're going to lose people. I was going to say it's, it's that agile approach. And I, I mean, it's easy to, to use that as a buzzword. but yeah the notion of of you know delivery as you go along as opposed to some kind of big bang somewhere in the future um i, I think is important because yeah otherwise you you the risk is of, of just disappearing off and and you know when when you eventually you re-emerge either the requirements changed or everyone's forgotten what they asked for um and uh and and it it, it doesn't it doesn't secure hearts and minds uh, as, it really does and that's classic failure of these massive transformation projects isn't it mm. you know that you don't yeah. deliver fast any benefit fast enough right um and that's where i really think marketing operations has a really key role to play in that we're curious people aren't we we're curious people with data marketing technology processes um, dare I say it, governance, you know, mm. um, we are we are curious people. So we can really help plug and, and keep that vision alive and help deliver quickly and deliver benefit quickly rather than. And I hate to dar moment because uh, often I'm disappointed, you know, <laughs> if something's taking too long. I'll be like, oh, mm -hmm. okay, well. you know, uh, so do you know what's Kerry? It's funny because I'm going to go out of order with the questions that I'd written. Um, I was going to ask you about transformation later, but I'm going to ask you about it now because we're on, on that vein. You have been involved in and I, I've been involved in plenty of transformations, but you've played a key role in one of the largest pieces of trans technical transformation I've ever seen in any business. What you've just said about marketing operations, how does that work? What, why did they want you? Why did they want marketing operations in that? And how do you support it? So, yeah, you're right. We, we, we've had a real great go at some fantastic transformation. Um, and yeah, one particular project was, was huge. Transformation tends to be done on the side of people's desks. So it tends to be, and if you haven't got the budget to have a transformation team, and these transformation teams, frankly, in businesses come and go all the time. People focus and invest in transformation. 
they build a real team around it then it doesn't quite work or doesn't deliver what it says so they disband it so I don't think transformation is definitely is given the you know the longevity it needs to it's not going to happen overnight so I think you need to if you're going to invest in transformation and the people really invest in them Mm. um so that's one of my key points around the resource part so initially in the early days this transformation project we were doing it on the side of our desk we were we were kind of trying to do it and deliver the marketing plan and do it all then there was a recognition that we needed a team together so uh, you know I was asked to go and work on this transformation program for six months three years later I uh, eventually came back to marketing but within that three years I think I was able to be I guess the glue between marketing strategists the market organizations and providers we were talking to the business requirements for the whole business because you know it wasn't just a marketing transformation it was a business transformation so I was gathering requirements I was uh yeah talking to a variety of vendors pulling together their requirements looking at looking at pitches and tenders working out the commercials so it was real end-to-end and I don't think no offense to my lovely marketing strategist but I don't think they could have fulfilled that role I think you needed somebody who could literally roll their sleeves up and get involved and have that be able to talk to the vendors as well because that was another thing we hadn't talked to vendors like this before so having that person and, and that conduit who could help translate requirements into I guess you know uh, yeah vendor requirements really mm. the money for the technology was one thing but the, the key thing you've pulled out there is the resource almost because it doesn't matter how much money you plow into it if you don't ring fence or dedicate the right resources to it to support the the, the budget that's spent on the tech. Um, I liked also what you said about talking to vendors and um, being being that bridge. I mean, that's something I've always felt has has been uh, some you know a, a role that I've played um, to take the business requirements or the marketing requirements and turn them into something that a, a vendor or an IT department would would better understand. Um, and I think that is a key skill and. Uh, function for for marketing operations. So it's it's interesting that you uh, you you talk about that. Yeah, also that point about you know business or marketing transformation really turning into business transformation because it it's you know it's a continuum, um, and you you almost can't do one without the other. The bit that I like so much about this conversation, where I think it it's slightly different from some of the other guests we've had on the podcast, is. Every time we talk to marketing operations um, specialists, we tend to start talking about real hardcore techs, you know, bit, bits of MarTech the, and specialisms within it, the Eloquas, the Salesforces, the Pardots, the, the whatever. And actually what you're saying, Kerry, and, and I fundamentally agree with is there's so much more than that. Really, marketing operations just got such a broad remit, yet some yeah. people think it's just marketing, right. other people think it's just process. Mm. Um, but it's it's just huge. It's the 80% versus the 20% of everything that happens in the marketing world. And I think you're right. And I think you can see that's quite evident with other marketing departments that I'm aware of where their marketing operations function, the, the, the paradigm has shift, shifted. And, it, and, you know, you've got your marketing, I guess, strategists who are a much smaller pool of people. And then your classic, you know, your operations is massive. And that includes, mm. you know, digital delivery, it includes channel, it includes... Um, brand it includes the whole end-to-end and, and it's all in service of the same goal really and that is just creating uh, the right customer experience and you know and, and 
would we ever have said the words customer experience 15 years ago? No, and now we can't stop saying it. <laughs> and, but do you know what I mean? We would never as people, I would never, you know, and that's why it was really important to say that I do class myself as results driven, performance minded. Just on a, on a practical level, Kerry, um, and, and we're, we're running out of time, but how, how, how is marketing operations organised? Does it report into you? Is that part of your responsibility or do you work alongside it in your role? We've um, very recently, in the last couple of years, I guess, rebranded marketing, mm-hmm. marketing operations right. uh, as, as a marketing communications function now. Okay. Uh, and within within that function, I guess, we, we have um, a, a campaign function, mm-hmm. um, a comp- document composition function that uses marketing technology, yeah. um, studio, uh, uh, data engineers, right. um, channel managers. So, you know, you've got paid SEO. Yeah. Um, we've got we've got it all kind of contained with it under the umbrella of marketing communications right um and and that works really well because then we were really joined up with each other so Mm. there's no place to work in isolation anymore and in your own silo you know you're very much reliant on on other teams who are working very closely with you to deliver it as one really yeah so the marketing communications marketing operations have it's you know it's still the same Mm. core people who are you know I guess you know we do have specialists within the generalists but working really closely with strategists you know and what we're saying now is let us take the annual plan and let's run with it we've got Mm. all the right people within this function to run with the annual plan tell you what then you can focus on a three to five year strategy you focus on that let us deliver in year and we'll smash it yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's, it sounds like you're very much at the, um, you know, the, the the kind of production and, and execution end of the, the the marketing operations spectrum. And as you say, there's a there's a sort of a rebrand in there as well. Um, so uh, it, it's it's an interesting evolution that's that's obviously taking place there. And do you know what, Simon? This is one to watch, and this might be a tip we need to put out there to our listeners because mm. when I joined HomeServe. Um, marketing operations was a pretty new thing, right? 2009, right. there weren't many companies talking about marketing operations. Not at all. And now, HomeServe have debadged. They're taking away marketing operations and mm. they're making their operational function a communication enablement team or, or yeah. delivery team. And we've talked about a number of times how marketing operations is now such a big part of marketing that it might mm. actually just become marketing. Maybe home server are still on the front foot. I don't know whether that's genuine, but um, I'll just mm-hmm. do that. Completely, it's all planned. <laughs> Is it you, Kerry? Have you driven yeah, that? Yeah, I thought so. Yeah. It's one. It's one vision of the future. Excellent. Okay, so last question then, Kerry, before we go, because I know we need to we need to wind up in time, but. What do you think the future does look like for marketing operations for home servers as one? but also for, you know, the rest of us on the outside of, of that business, what does MOPS look like? Yeah, so, I mean, I think for HomeServe first, let me, let me touch on that point. I, I think it has, again, just, just grown and evolved so well over the last decade or so um, into something that is truly customer-centric. We do continually talk about what's right for the customer. You know, what do we need to be able to talk to the customer in the way that they want to be spoken to, when they want to be spoken to, and what do we need to do to achieve that? So whether that is marketing technology, whether that is data scientists, whether that whether that is additional marketing platforms. So I think there is a recognition um, that we can achieve that at HomeServe and that we can, we can really start to have those one-to-one dialogues um, what do I think about the general future of marketing operations? I think great if we get 
you know the recognition and the value and people see the value in it does need to be top down in businesses as well Mm -hmm. and they do need to understand that if we can you know leverage you know real true marketing operations as specialists um then i think that's great but i do and have the right resources in the right areas um and for me final point is as i said at the start of the conversation it's just making sure that that mops leader really does have a seat at the table because they can add so much value so much value to that discussion about driving the business forward yes they'll get the stuff out the door but trust me they can talk about the future technology that you need to do it they can be 10 steps ahead and that's what I like about marketing operations professionals that they can be that future thinking person but still get the stuff done Right, right. Well, on that note, as you say, uh, in, ending as we started, and um, I can, uh, I can, I can definitely buy into that. So, we're out of time. Kerry, thank you so much. Uh, great conversation. Really, really enjoyed that. Um, lots to, uh, lots to think about. Um, should anybody wish to get in touch with you and discuss anything that we've talked about, where can they find you? Oh, um, they can find me on LinkedIn. Um, Discord, Metaverse. (laughs) (laughs) Just LinkedIn. (laughs) I'm just dipping my toe into the Metaverse. (laughs) LinkedIn. You you might spot Kerry's toe in the Metaverse. What a great conversation. Really enjoyed that. Carla, what was your highlight? Yeah, I love the fact that that was a a, a very different flavour from what we've had from the other big SaaS tech Mm. Um, marketing operations and, and marketing leaders. That yeah, we should make sure we get out of that box from time to time. Definitely, because this is real grassroots. Kerry didn't mention it in her conversation, but I know that she's had 50 people within that mm. marketing operations function, right. which is a hell of a team for, for yeah. us to talk about in marketing True. operations world. Yeah. Doing some tasks that we don't often talk about in, in the podcast, which is nope. the, the lesser attractive parts of marketing operations but for me um some i mean i've written loads of bullet points but the a couple that i just wanted to to riff on was um the transformation mm-hmm. um transformation is a big word and people often think that it, it is quite a, a big thing actually yeah. any small change could be a transformation and any change within a business um has impacts but often we do it from the side of our desk and i would almost go as far to say 90 percent of the time that fails and it fails because you've not given it the the right attention so even on a small level i think there can be some some advice taken from that yeah for sure uh, i mean it's a it's a constant challenge for, for for everybody i think but but certainly speaking for myself you know trying trying to to get the the, the daily work done at the same time as as right raising your uh view and looking to the horizon and, and making sure you're, you're building towards that and getting that balance right is uh it's a challenge and mm. and you need the the kind of senior level air cover to to be able to say that you know something is not going to get done as fast as it could be if you did nothing else but that but the trouble is that at the end of it you haven't built the thing that's going to make um the next uh, the next initi- initiative and you're still firefighting and yeah yeah and yeah yeah so exactly. so yeah bit of advice from there and the other mm-hmm. one um that i thought was very interesting was around the kerry statement around her view marketing operations is the glue and we've heard that word mm-hmm. before between marketing strategists business requirements and the technology solutions um yeah. uh, not uncommon terminology we're hearing it mm-hmm. quite a lot but I guess I, I lose sight of that sometimes. So right. I think that was a really interesting yeah. sentence. No, absolutely. I mean, as I said, I think that that piece about uh, being able to talk and uh, to to um, 
technology providers or service providers and and, mm. and translate the, the business marketing requirements you know i think that's definitely a key role um that uh, that, that mop should be playing and, and and a skill to 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 be developing perhaps i'm, I'm bound to, to to say this but kerry's final point about um you know mops having a, a seat at the table and and providing that that um input and contribution to you know to marketing strategy and um future future yeah. thinking and so on um i mean i don't I don't mean to, to to blow the mops trumpet too much, but um, I, I do think there's a role to be played there. And, uh, and that, that's I couldn't agree more. And I think Kerry started on in that vein and ended in that vein as well. Mm. And you could almost sense maybe a bit of frustration about not having a seat at the table. Right. And and her evolution over 15 years may have been a bit quicker ha- had that have happened. But exactly. I do think the time is now and, and any leaders that are, are out there listening to this, hopefully they will. take. Absolutely. Them. Yes, indeed. All right, time to move on. So before we start this session, I just want to make it clear that there is no risk of anyone capturing any germs through this podcast. Um, You will, of course, hear that I am full of cold. You'll be glad to hear it's not COVID. Um, But Simon, I'm going to throw a lot to you in this session. So tell us who we're talking to right now. Will do and get well soon, Carla. So we turn to our marketing operations leader now and we're joined all the way from the beautiful city of Vancouver, Canada by a very well-versed MOPS practitioner and leader. With a tech sector background spanning corporate and freelance roles, a man after my own heart, um, including stints at SAP and Elastic Path, our guest's experience includes all the usual challenges such as replatforming, process optimization and change management, Welcome to the podcast, Jeff Q, Director, Global Marketing Operations at Enterprise Application Intelligence and Integration Specialists, Magnitude Software. Thanks for joining us, Jeff. Simon, thank you. That was a fantastic intro. What an intro. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I was like, who is this guy? I can't wait to hear him. <laughs> Sounds amazing. We've got oh, the it was wrong, the wrong one, Jeff. We've got the wrong, the wrong one. one. We two, were looking at somebody else's. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so let's let's uh, let's get into it. Um, Jeff, tell us, um, this, despite my uh, magnificent uh, introduction, a little bit more about Magnitude Software, just so that we get an understanding for uh, where you are right now and, and what that's all about. It's not a not a not a name that's perhaps as as well known as. As some of the others in your on your uh, resume, Magnitude Software is is a company that formed back in essentially 2016. It, it was really a holding company that was acquiring smaller smaller software companies. And I wonder where to use the word niche because niche in the in the essence that if you didn't work in B two B, if you didn't work in enterprise, you wouldn't have heard of the tools not niches in it's a really small product and only a few, few only a few businesses use it it's actually within within those sectors the products are really well known and and magnitude bought a number of of key companies like i said it's a really good product and in fact it's so good um, that other companies wanted to buy it and magnitude was recently acquired uh, in November, magnitude magnitude was acquired by Insight Software. Makes sense. Yeah. No, that's interesting model actually. Um, that that kind of aggregation of of software in, as you say, niche or, or perhaps specialist areas. So um, that definitely definitely sets the context. Mm. The the acquisition yeah. is something we're hearing as well. Every, every person we spoke to seems to work for a business that's just been acquired and acquired right. and acquired. So a, a sign of the times, but. 
So, so Jeff, tell us a little bit about you and particularly how you got into marketing operations, your journey there. My intro to marketing operations is actually similar to, similar to a number of people that I've met in the industry. A uh, number of people have started in advertising and with advertising clients, you were introduced to doing email marketing, started to learn how to build HTML emails with table, you know, with tables and so forth. And my very first, and I reference this all the time, every podcast I'm on, very first HTML email I sent was in 2003, where I built this web page and then went into out into Internet Explorer and chose send pages as uh, email, send web pages email. That was my very first HTML email. Uh, and then I got better. Uh, and then eventually, uh, because I like I worked in advertising on the production side of things, I was very, very involved in optimizing studio workflows, optimizing process, right? Doing a lot of process, uh, process improvement. And I started, uh, I got, there was a project coming up uh, as for there was going to be a, a provincial election here in BC, British Columbia, Canada. And it was 700 pages of ad material that had to be produced. And you have to have a hundred, you have to have, there's room for zero error. So it has to be all automated. And this is something where you would get 10 people in a room, in a, in a studio for two weeks, cranking out, doing this manually. And using an automated processes, I was able to get the key piece of work down to two days with two people. Could have done it with one, but because this is, uh, you know, this is a sort of a government mandated project, you need a second person there in case the first person gets hit by a car on the way into the office, right? Uh, now, it sounds great. Oh, wow, reduce all those person hours into just two days, but it's not because you spend a month building the process mm -hmm. um, to then build this repeatable process that can run hundreds of pages of ad material, auto-paginate multi-page ads, because uh, you're putting in voting districts and so forth. And this is back when you had community newspapers. You don't do that anymore. Uh, but uh, it worked out really, really well. Um, I was brought back to do the next election four years. I actually did four, um, three elections in a row. So um I think I did 2005, where I'd started to introduce some automated processes, came back for 2009. I actually um, had gone to an InDesign conference and learned about a product called Easy Catalog, which is a company called 60 from 65-bit, which is based on your side of the pond as well. Uh, and so you're nodding your head. Well, do you guys. know what, Jeff? And I don't want to interrupt you because of your flow, but my background is very similar to yours. So I've come from, uh, you know, a, a big print background, um, advertising, and then literally driven efficiency processes through kind of that that advertising or that production world. So as you're saying it, I'm kind of nodding, going, yeah, yeah, you've been there, felt that, did that. So yeah. oh yeah, you're like you know my exactly kindred spirit. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Well, the really interesting thing is while I was working at um, magnitude they own a product called agility multi-channel pim and turns out that that competes with 65 bits easy catalog and so while I, as an employee of magnitude i reached out to their product specialist and said well i actually used to use easy catalog show me what you guys can do and it was very cool i was very impressed like both of them are really strong 
products, right? It really comes down to what do you, how, how comfortable you are, um, which platform you prefer, which you what UI do you prefer, but it worked out really, really well. So that was my introduction to data that just led to this whole new interest in what else is out. So that just kind of naturally led me to look at discovering Pardot and Salesforce. That was back in. So right up to date, let me ask you around what your marketing operation team looks like now and also your approach to it as a leader. Different companies are going to have, I have a team, but smaller companies are going to have individual contributors, right? Uh, and larger companies are going to, if you're fortunate, you have one or two direct reports. Uh, until you get into a really big stage, six, seven direct reports, even 10 direct reports, I'm still working within the systems. Even my colleagues um, who have four or five direct reports, you know, are still getting involved in the system. They're still keeping themselves knowledgeable. Uh, it's very difficult as a technology, you know, someone who loves technology um, to not get into it i think we only said this in the last episode that that piece about um you know mops leaders pretty much always being hands-on i don't think there's such yeah, a thing yeah. as a hands-off mops leader um and partly as you say jeff it's it's a function of you know being marketing technologists and just being into this stuff but but also you you just can't afford to to not have some degree of understanding for what's going on um but i can certainly see you know you a uh, particularly at scale marketing operations function you're not going to be so hands on uh, but you you still i think need need that good back end uh, understanding um, I don't know what you think, Jeff. The role, the rise of the new CMO or the rise of the next CMO. One thing I noticed when I worked at uh, larger agencies is they always paired a creative, like an art director, with a writer. And the two of them combined always came up with brilliant award-winning stuff. Like I worked with people who were just award-winning, award-winning writers and art directors. So I compare that to the CMO. Now, the challenge is if you have a CMO who's come up with a come up from a design background or advertising background, and I've worked with them, they come up with they, they make great make for great branding, really good branding strategists. Where the problem is, though, is if they you're trying to sell an image, right? And that image, if you are a fantastic designer, art director, creative director coming up with a really good brand. You try, and you also happen to own data or access to systems, you're going to try and push that UX experience over to what things look like in Salesforce or what they look like in, uh, in the marketing automation platform. On the other end, though, uh, you know, there's a benefit to this. There's a benefit to that design background, making for an easy user experience for users within the systems. However, there's some complexity needed in understanding your data. And it, but if you have a, the next CMO coming up from data only, like a marketing ops person who's very engineering focused, right? It can become very difficult. What, one of the other things that, um, that we, we chatted about previously, Jeff, and you, you mentioned um, Marketo and, and um, deploying Marketo in multiple instances and so on. And one of the things that, that we'd spoken about was um, I, th I think you said you'd actually re-implemented re a, a Marketo instance, and I was interested in, in that experience because it's something that, um, that I, I've, I've kind of um, 
recommended if you like in 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 the past um when when an instance as as you say it gets to the point where maybe you need to get somebody in to sort it out is it actually better to just start again and i was interested in your your experience and thoughts on that the the question of whether or not it's better to start spin up a new marketo instance or mm. clean up an old one right it, both are good and i've done both what helps me make the decision of whether or not I'm going to build new or just fix what's already there, it has to do with the Salesforce connection. Okay. And if the Salesforce connection is really clean in that, in the sense that there's only a finite number of, of records that are synced across, you may have a thousand fields inside Salesforce, um, but you only need 200 of those synced across to Marketo that's all you should have. Mm -hmm. But if you're faced with an instance that has a one-to-one -one match of every single field because someone made a mistake early on, it becomes a pain then to go back in and start deactivating them. If you can fix the sync, right? However, in my situation, when I came to Magnitude, the system was old as well. It was seven years old. Um, and I actually balanced and I looked at the time it was going to take to fix because I could have fixed. Right. But then I looked at the time it would have taken to spin up a new one. Talked to my rep at a, uh, our customer success manager at Adobe, looked at the pros and cons. And we actually determined that and with my team as well, determined it would actually be we would have better results and be able to do it faster if we just spun up a new one. What, what are your priorities at this point then, Jeff? Um, as you say, you, you've gone through the acquisition, things are changing with, with, with your team and, and you know, people have moved away and been assigned. What, what's, um, what are your priorities and, and what do you see more broadly perhaps as, as the things that, that marketing operations should be, should be focusing on at this point in, in it, the evolution of the discipline? I think the next stages, the next important thing in marketing operations is going to be for us as data professionals uh, is to, or data ops professionals. I really like that pre preference because we've gone beyond marketing. Mm -hmm. We support marketing. We work with data in service of marketing. But I think marketing operations is very limiting now, especially the systems have reached a certain point um, where understanding data orchestration becomes even more important. Right. And so I'm working with uh, a couple of different platforms right now on a couple of different solutions. Like there's a lot of products out there right now that can do your lead to, lead to account matching. Mm -hmm. They can do your lead routing, right? Um, but there's not a lot of systems out there that can allow you to connect up multiple Salesforce instances, multiple Marketo instances, and create a unified uh, platform on their end for you right. that you can then decide to, where do we want to push this data to? And so that's something I'm exploring now um, at, under, under the acquired company is being involved in how do we improve the, the, the integration process? Where your savings is going to be is if you look at an orchestration tool like Syncery, um, and you know, you they use their SDK, they build out a LinkedIn connection for you, they pull all those LinkedIn leads into their system, and then you decide where are you going to push those leads. Uh, and then you don't have to fight with a hundred zaps 
because you have a hundred different campaigns running in LinkedIn. So this is the next step. This is what's going to be important. It's not just how to build a templated program in Marketo. It's not just how to leverage tokens or in Marketo or how to leverage UTMs for your tracking. It's going to be understanding your data and how to move that data around, how to, uh, I want to say dance, you know, dance your partner into the right spot. Nice, nice. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on, on that note, uh, that, that uh, rather, rather poetic note, uh, we'll have to, uh, to, to close it out, I think. Thanks very much again for, uh, for talking to us and um, for, for the insights. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, once again, thanks for being on the podcast. So, Carla, an, an awful lot to unpack there. What uh, jumps out for you? Well, what jumped out immediately for me, um, and this is being a bit selfish, Simon, but uh, was was Jeff's journey into marketing operations, which was not dissimilar to my own. Indeed, um, I thought starting... you uh, hit it off. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Set it up just for that, didn't you? Uh-huh. My ego. But, um, you know, starting in, I started life as a graphic designer, but went into advertising as well. And then just found myself optimizing processes and making efficiencies, um, whether that be with data or, or process generally. And I think that as a MOPS person, you kind of can't avoid that. That's what's in your DNA. So that's why we're seeing all these people, wherever they've come from, they've come from with, with that skill um, in yourself even as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, the, it's the pieces all coming together. I think that's what's really interesting um, with the number of people we've spoken to um, who certainly like us started off life before marketing operations was a thing yet you can see the elements of it coalescing into what becomes marketing operations do you know when i think about uh, my career options at school marketing operations was not on that list no, um, no. i didn't sit down with my career advisor and say uh, yeah do you know what? i'd love to be in the operational side of marketing exactly. but maybe one day now it might happen yeah, could could be. Who knows? There could be a, a, a school kid having a conversation right now. <laughs> and then the other thing that I found really interesting was your question um, around, uh, well, Mar- Marketo was Jeff's example, but mm. when you've got a system, a new system, whether you should sink it yeah. or replace it, burn it down. I know you've, you'd have some experience of that in the past as well. Well, yeah, and it's just an area of interest of, of mine in, in terms of everybody hates their marketing automation, marketing automation platform and says they want to get rid of it. But in actual fact, um, you know, unless all marketing automation platforms are terrible, um, it's not the platform, it's the implementation and so on. And so I think that notion of, OK, we've got ourselves to a point where maybe it's not working for us. Do we need to ditch it and get a different one? Or do we just need to re-implement uh, the platform we have, which presumably you know and you've got a skill set around and so on? And so I think Jeff's messages of do your homework, understand and, and really look at what, what needs to be done. Um, and in particular, um, the notion that the sync with CRM is, is such a, a crucial aspect um, of, of, more, of a marketing automation deployment and, and frequently the source of a lot of problems. Um, if you can look at that, and determine is is this um, the, the, the source of the problem? Is it inefficient? And if it is, combined with other factors, that could be the one that says, you know what, let's just um, start again, um, as as opposed to needing to um, get a different platform. So yeah, so the answer was both. 
um, mm. just do your homework. And yeah. if you do your homework, it's a bit like, you know, marketing operations, looking at data. The data will tell you yeah. whether it's it's burn it down or, or sync it up and, and start again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I guess, you know, Jeff closed out with a just a good point about um, making data dance together which I think is uh, a good, a good. Uh, what a romantic uh, image to leave e us with. Exactly. A good place to end it on. Well, thanks again to Jeff. Um, he can be reached on LinkedIn and I'm sure he would be happy to chat with anybody about um, any of the points covered. And it's time now to catch up with our favorite marketing operations guru, Courtney Makara, as we get together for a virtual coffee with Courtney. Good morning, Courtney, and what a fine vessel from which you're drinking your coffee this morning. Well, thank you. I also am a big fan. I've never had my mug on a mug before. <laughs> oh, um, I like it. I like it. Describe, <laughs> it describe, what, describe what you have there, Courtney. I have a what's mops got to do with it mug with our lovely faces uh, and our website address and the little podcast microphone that was uh, so kindly shipped to me by right, Carla. Thank right. you for the gift. You're, you're um, welcome. And I realize this is making terrible radio or <laughs> podcasting. I'll uh, put a picture on the website. We'll yeah, we'll, we'll, have website to, we'll have to yeah. put a, a picture of the mug. I mean, it, it sports the logo from the website. So do go and go to uh, whatsmops.com and check that out. You will also be able to see it uh, or see them uh, as there is more than one uh, of, uh, of these mugs in existence. Uh, should you come to Martecopia, which we mentioned earlier. And um, so there, there's a good reason to, uh, to to buy a ticket and come along just to see that. Just um, to see the mug. <laughs> tra tragedy has befallen it. And I see your your uh, crazy glue skills have uh, had to come into uh, into play. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of having to hold it very gingerly as my handle <laughs> did crack in the journey across the pond, as they say. But, you know, oh. it adds character. Right. You know what? As marketing operations spe specialists, we can fix a lot of things, right? Yeah, we can exactly. Fix process, we can. <laughs> what we cannot fix mm -hmm. is international distribution. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Logistics and, and supply chains is, is just... Uh, there is no, no bubble wrap algorithm I can give no. you to make that better exactly there's no no smart program will fix that <laughs> i'm sorry that your mug broke but i'm i'm also very very pleased it made it to you in the first place over all those thousands of miles yes i yeah. am as well and i'm glad it was just the handle and not you know the most not your mug part yeah not, not my mug, your mug yeah. exactly yeah. exactly so but yeah martechopia is just in a few days are you guys right. amped you get to meet face to face yeah, well, that'll, that'll be exciting, um, and we'll see how that works out um, after a, well, not quite a year, I suppose, but six or nine months of doing this virtually. Yeah, um, yeah, indeed. So, uh, yeah, whether we can whether we can keep the magic up um, in person, we'll, uh, we'll have to see. If not, at least we've got great mugs, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. There's, we can drink a lot of coffee. Um, now, but, is this your first in-person event for your, the two of you? I have not. I guess mm -hmm. I did attend summer camp last right. August, so that was August of 21, but that was outdoors and uh, yeah. didn't really feel conferency. Is this the first kind of official one um, for the two of you? I probably, I think, I feel like you've done something, Carla. But yeah, I went to um, B2B Marketing's ABM, ABM conference a little bit earlier this year. Uh, no, late last year. Oh, do you know what? I don't know. Time doesn't matter anymore, does it? Right. No. COVID right. stole time um, from everyone. 
Yeah, no, I feel I've, I've been to bits and pieces. In fact, I mean, I was at a round table yesterday. Um, but yeah, I can't think that I've sat in a, in a sort of, you know, auditorium type audience and, uh, you know, um, been, been PowerPointed today. But how many so, online um, conferences have you done, Simon? Uh, yes, uh, many, many. Um, lost, lost count. Um, now, do so, you actually uh, attend them, or do you just register and wait for the recording <laughs> to be sent? And then, do you actually watch the recording? Because I am notoriously guilty. I am the the queen of registering for webinars because I there's so many great topics. I love right. all the things that are out there, but I'm I'm really bad about attending. Mm. I think I attend probably one in ten that I register for. Yeah, I I would say. I mean, I I sign up for a fair few, and um, you know, often for, with with fully no intent of watching it live, um, mainly because of timing. And of course, you know, if they are US based, um, I, I kind of draw the line at really being on a webinar much past kind of six p.m. my time, um, and um, it's just so tough fitting them in anyway you know when you're back to back there's there's just no chance so I, I i do make a you know i have a little folder in 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 my email and when i get the the, the email saying um sorry we missed you here's the the recording um you know i stash it away and then when i have do a you watch the recording do you, do you yeah, yeah. go back and see it yeah. yeah yeah i do no i do i absolutely do yeah um and you know i do i mean i've so certainly I don't necessarily go back and watch everything, but there are, there are some webinars that I sign up to and I think I, I really want to see that. So, you know, I do make a point of going back and, um, and, and checking it out. So I get the sense it's just me. Yeah. 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 Look at us both looking at you. And, and again, the audience <laughs> okay. can see our faces, but they are. Again, again. I'm glad this is podcasting and not TV. I, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm somewhere getting. in the middle of, of you two. So, I will only register for something I absolutely know I'm going to attend because I, I don't want to boost their numbers and then not attend particularly. Aww, it's just that's a, so it's kind of web... Well, it's yeah. a big thing at the minute, isn't it? Everybody's moaning about it. So I will only register for something I will attend. But what I did want to say is that the, the, I am very guilty of, if I cannot attend and I get the recording, I file the recording knowing that it will always be there for me to go and look at. And I never look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it is hard. It's hard to fit in the time for sure. So I, yeah. I am curious about this because I've seen some chats on LinkedIn and conversation of is the webinar dead? And mm. it's funny that with the three of us, we have three very different interactions with them of yes, I watch it. So, you know, if they're ones that are targeting you, Simon, obviously as a maybe a potential buyer, the webinar is mm. not dead in that world because you are paying attention to them. I, I definitely would say webinars are not dead. I mean, we do a lot of webinars, you know, where, where, where I'm, where I am at the moment and, you know, we get, you know, and it, it's an enterprise, you know, technology solution. Um, and we get pretty, pretty decent sign up, pretty decent attendance and, and engagement. So from that perspective, I, I would say not. So maybe have you maybe, tested that a webinar versus like mm. a live virtual event, you know, or no, no, we, we haven't really tested it too much. Um, so I mean we've done some different stuff. I and mean, we did, you know, we did some uh some live more what I would call a live event last year, and we actually had um we did a we did a north america one with billy bean and we did a european one with david coulthard as a as a kind of you know star star draw um so again they were they, they went down quite well but yeah there's definitely experimentation to be done and so on um, well my pet peeve with the live ones is if i can tell they're not live 
Yeah, yeah. Don't right. call it live if it's pre-recorded. Yeah. yeah. Don't well, that, stream me something. Yeah. 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 Well, that I must say because um it's Martech um in a couple of weeks' time, I think. Um, which is the 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 still virtual version of the old Martech conference from that that used to be in Boston and and um <clears throat> San Jose, I think. And they they do that thing where the talks are pre-recorded and then they stream them at a particular time. And then you can obviously go back and watch on demand. But yeah, to me, it's it's just not the same as e even a, a live virtual presentation. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not into that. If you know, if 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 it's a pre-recorded, then then you know, call it that. Agreed. Um, yeah. Just and, this and, week, I I attended uh, Adobe had their summit, so right. Adobe's annual summit. I think they do a similar sort of thing, don't they? They they yeah. pre-record and yeah. then drop them in. Yeah. 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 Which and, again and, is great, but there's a little red dot in the corner, and it said live, and I'm like, right. no, no, it's not. not. And there's a place yeah. for it, isn't it? The corner. There's, there's some stuff that they they've pre-recorded that looks great. It looks really good, and Adobe Flashy, are very good at yeah. doing super slick. Oh sure. Yeah. which is what they should do yeah but then you kind of like okay well that bit's done now so where's the live stuff mm. yeah. oh still pre-recorded okay mm -hmm. <laughs> but with, with you mentioned you you've seen some commentary on linkedin and so on courtney what what's the the consensus i mean is is it is it being suggested that webinars are or, or is the uh, hybrid you know i've seen a mm. lot of hybrid conversations that's right. the new word isn't it yeah, in the yeah. events world yeah, I feel like people were kind of throwing the question out there with a, a little bit of an opinion of, yeah, pre-recorded webinars are dead with the sending out the recording afterwards and mm -hmm. wanting more live interactive events, yeah. um, but the opinion of them being live. And then I'm, mm. I'm really curious about the in-person events. I think some people really miss in-person events. Yeah. You guys are obviously yeah. starting to attend mm. and there's going to be people out there that don't miss them at all and never sure. want to travel for work ever again. Um, yeah. But I I was surprised when I saw that LinkedIn kind of sentiment. I was like, oh, mm. are, are they dead? What's wrong with them? Yeah. Um, well, the, I mean, I guess the, the one thing I will say that the, it, the experience can be very variable and certainly the communications around it. Mm -hmm. And I suppose maybe I've got a bit of an ulterior motive because, you know, what I do like to do is to watch these things. And then I, I pick the ones I, I thought were worthy of, of mention and, and drop them into my newsletter. Um, but it's, it, it's unbelievable how hard it actually is doing that because you get the email that says, here's a link to watch it again. But if you want to share that email, or you get the email saying you've registered here, you know, here's the link to watch it when, when the time comes. Again, if you want to share that, it's really, really hard um, because the link you've got is obviously personalized or it's just the kind of um, it takes you straight into it and, and all the rest of it. And, you know, I do think that webinar organizers need to, to do a much better job of, of just the, the comms and, uh, and everything around it. So yeah, I would agree with that. And there are so many new platforms coming out because of COVID and all virtual events and things where it's right. more interactive chat and break rooms that you can go off into with certain people. I love that part of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's been really exciting that it's not just mm again, death by PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so many be. more people are having their cameras on now. And actually, if they're even doing a webinar, they're actually looking, you feel like you're almost making eye contact with someone. Right. So I think yeah. that's been a big benefit. Yeah, and I, I was going to echo Courtney's point a little. Um, the technology over the last 12 months or, or 18 months, I forget how long this mm. pandemic's been going on for now, but the, mm. the technology is absolutely blown. It's had a steroid injection of functionality and you, know, you can see you can see the new platforms as well as the old platforms just got so much better 
but what's yeah. missing is Simon, your point, mm. the comms, the prep, the, yeah. the, the investment for, of the people to make the end to end process better. Mm. Yeah. Um, so you've got a great experience when, once you're there, if you get, mm. if you get there and you're right. engaged. Yeah, and I, and I do think also going going forwards, but and it's been the case probably for the last six or even twelve months is the the overall production quality needs to be practically broadcast quality. You know, when the pandemic hit, it was okay that it was a bit fumbled and you know people didn't quite know what they were doing and so on uh, it, you know and it's a, it's a bit like the same as your kids and your pets in in the background working from home it's like getting back into a into some sort of normality it's like yeah i, I don't know that that's still okay um and and it, it just needs to to get a bit slicker um or all, all, all of which i just sets us up for complete you know cat- catastrophe next week when we fumble it all of that starts in about um a month's time up up until then it, amateur hour is absolutely fine yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> yeah in fact i really like amateur performances right i like yeah. off the cuff it's more authentic it's more authentic um i did want to say one other thing though um carla your your point about not signing up for webinars that you know you're not going to go to so as not to you know skew the figures skew the numbers Um, yeah yeah you're such a you're such a marketer but to be honest with you i actually deliberately it's not so relevant these days but i i i um often deliberately download the images in an email that i've received just to throw a i opened your email bone to the to the sender um uh, you know other, otherwise you're uh, the opposite your behavior is the opposite of mine like oh, i no, don't no, want no, to skew no, your no. numbers and you're like i'm skewing no 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 i'm no, no no i i read the email and then in order to you know um let the sender know that they did get someone reading their email i i download the images oh you guys are both well, so generous. That's a nice thing, then, isn't it? Actually, well, you're, well, you're, you're skewing so, yeah. in a nice way. Well, we we uh, we better we better leave it there um, and go and prepare for um, next week's disaster. Next week's disaster, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll um, we'll see you back here very shortly, Courtney. Um, super bright and early in in your case, and um, we'll uh, we'll chat again then. And don't okay. forget that if you are listening to this, you still have time to join us on the 23rd um, of March at the Martecopia conference, where you can listen to the uh, live podcast if you buy a ticket, or if not, you can listen on our website when we uh, we launch the actual disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you guys then. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, Courtney. <laughs> And should you have any opinion on the future of webinars or virtual events, do let us know. And should you wish to find out how Courtney's mug repair is going, she can be reached via LinkedIn or at mustangmartech.com. Links in the show notes. Uh, That's our podcast. Carla, what's Mops got to do with it? So um, great session once again, handles attached or not attached. Um, A couple of things that I've learned, look, you know, both of our guests fell into marketing and marketing operations. This theme we have to not mention again and stop talking about because it's literally everyone. So now the next conversation we need to have is about the one person who always wanted to be in marketing operations. Right. Um, But let's start with um, Kerry, the marketing leader. So a couple of points that I found really interesting around there that she's the first person actually to to mention uh, salary and, and package and benefits mm. and remuneration. Um, it's absolutely right. And I do think it's something that should be considered. There's 
there's Sarah McNamara and some other uh, marketing operations specialists that are out there that do some work into um, salaries. I think that will become more prevalent over the, the next few months, if not years. And the other thing that I thought was super interesting from Kelly from Kerry was um, the D badge of marketing operations. Now, whether that's actually going to happen or not going to happen, I, I can see it. Mm. I can kind of see something happening in terms of marketing operations is becoming so marketing now. Mm. Um, when does it, it just marketing operations go away? And I know that will make your toes curl, Mr. Marketing Operations, Simon Daniels, but um, yeah. what, what do you think? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, there's there's a direction of travel that says that it becomes just so ubiquitous that that it is just folded back in or, or becomes becomes part of um, a, a, an overall marketing or demand gen or growth marketing function and so on. But I think it depends. Um, and you know, we've we've also talked uh, talked about uh, the 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 evolution of revenue operations and whether mm-hmm. that direction yes, of travel. Yeah. So it could be that in some way, um, it, you know, MOPS comes out of marketing and, you know, um, as, uh, as, as, as Gabrielle was saying um, a couple of episodes ago, you know, goes mm-hmm. into, a, into a or under a, uh, a chief operating officer and, and, that, and that's where it goes. So there's, there's different evolutionary tracks that, uh, that could be followed. Um, but I don't think um, it it will ever be the case that what marketing operations does will go away mm, and yeah, so that's yeah. really the key point it, it will only get more and i guess mm. what i mean is that it's almost engulfing everything else it's right it's growing and and just taking on mm. everything to to uh, to, uh, to paraphrase or misquote mark andresine marketing operations is eating the world exactly yeah i like it i like it uh, t-shirts with that on please um, so yeah, Kerry's session was really um, refreshing and different from, from mm. our usual content. So um, a big thank you to her for that. Um, and then I guess, what, what did we learn from our marketing operations leader? So marketing operations, Jeff Q um, gave us a great insight to, well, somebody who's a real specialist in mm. some of the technologies that he advocates um, and uses. And that was a, a really big um, sign for me. And I think you mentioned it, that are we ever going to be hands-off as marketing operations leaders? Right. Um, or is it by nature the fact that we are so involved with it that we are still specialists within our own area? Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, yeah. Well, in, indeed. And um, yeah, I, I definitely could c- can't imagine not being, being pretty under the hood and wanting and, and really needing to have an understanding for, for what's going on and, and being able to, to get in there. But, you know, at the same time, you, you, you simply can't be across everything um, and you, you can't be an expert in everything. And I, and I think that's um, a, a leadership um, hallmark really of, of knowing when you have to trust people who, who you've hired, um, who know more than you do to, uh, to do a particular job. And, and that's, the, uh, that's the essence of it. And a couple more points to give Jeff his uh, his credit. We're around. Um, he made a wonderful point that I'm a real big fan of, which was mm. around having when you've got systems that do the same functionality, it literally comes down to which one you like. Right. Now, yeah, instead of sitting in rooms talking about does it do this for us? Does it do that for us? Yes. The answer is yes, it all does. Mm. Now you just pick the one that you, you like the most. And I, I think that in a marketing operations world, we become um, almost paralyzed by making decisions on, you know, functionality yeah. rfps and yeah. and which suppliers we use who's the best 
Yeah. And actually what it comes down to is how's that user going to get on with it and what do you mm. like the most? Yeah, and, and actually I read quite an interesting paper from Gartner just, just recently saying that um, you know the pace of change now is such that RFPs and traditional selection processes um, are, are just not fit for purpose. And, mm -hmm. and that pains me to say it because I, I, I certainly used to trade on uh, helping with, with technology selection and so on and, and running RFPs. Not to say that technology selection isn't still a mm -hmm. thing, um, but um, the proof of concept and the, the live trial um, are the ways to go. And that's where you get to kick the tires and say, yeah, we like this one. Let's go with it. And I guess the very, very last point then, um, it, and I'm only doing it because it's you, mm -hmm. uh, your question to him around burn it down or fix it and optimize it. And the answer was both. Yeah. So do, do your homework and then and then right. pick the right solution. So there's no one way, one right way to do it. Um, but no, both ways. And rarely is there. But I, I think I think the 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 the, the real um, heart of of the of the advice there was that was the integration. Mm. Um, mm, that, yeah. That's that's the the decision factor. If you've got you know very deep integration, then um, you, you you might want to um, you know to 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 re, you know kind of keep what you've got and, and build on it. But um, if if that integration is not working and frequently that is the friction point, then it, it could be draw a line and, and just start again um, and take the opportunity to, to strip out, you know, hundreds of field mappings and routines and all these kinds of things and, and take it back to first principles. So that's the, the basis on which to make the decision. You do not have to say integration twice to me. I imagine that we're going to be talking about integrations as marketing operations specialists for, mm. for a lot over the next couple of years yeah. and maybe even next 12 months. So I'm saying, yeah two two very different guests mm. this episode a whole breadth of learning right okay that's it there is no more thanks again for listening to episode eight of what's mops got to do with it thank you to our guests kerry Lowe, jeff q and of course courtney makara check out whatsmops.com where you can find show notes and also listen to all of our previous episodes you can get in touch with us via the website or LinkedIn. It's great to hear your feedback, comments, and suggestions for future episodes. Comment or rate us on your preferred podcast platform. It really helps spread the word. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to receive the next episode in your feed. Next time, as mentioned, we'll be coming in part at least live, whatever that means, from Martecopia and speaking to Holly Gage at Okta and our friends and B2B marketing legends, Steve Kemish and Shane Redding. And as always, we'll grab a virtual coffee with Courtney, beaming in from her Pacific Northwest redoubt of Portland, Oregon, all being well. As long as with, with or without a handle, yeah. With or without a handle on her mug, and assuming that the the satellite link up and the hybrid beam out all works, so tune tune in for that next time. Until then, goodbye from me, Simon Daniels, and goodbye from me, Carla Wentworth. <laughs>